You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to sauce a like, follow, and subscription on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and the Odyssey app. Doing so costs you zero cents and ensures you never miss another episode. You'll also stay up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. Download the Spotify Green Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our green rooms. Spotify Green Room, changing the way we talk sports. On tonight's podcast, I thought there were a couple of subjects of interest. You know, um, obviously we're going to recap a little bit of the remainder of Montreal versus Vegas. Maybe less so recapping and talking about some of the implications of last night's game result, maybe um, what the future of the Stanley Cup Finals might hold, and what it means for how the Jets may spin this whole situation. Then we will transition to talking about an extremely chaotic day in 2020 Euro competition because this was one of the most exciting match days, there were a ton of twists and turns. If ever you believe that sports is the greatest drama on earth, well, this is probably the tournament day that you would point to if you wanted at least one example. And there have been plenty of examples already. And then last but not least, we will recap some thoughts, early thoughts from Tampa Bay versus the New York Islanders, which frankly is going to be a game that I don't think anyone is prepared for. It's basically going to be Game 7 for the Islanders, attempting to stave off elimination. But before we talk about that series, let's talk about last night's game between Vegas and Montreal. You know, obviously on last night's episode we recapped most of it, so I'm not going to go over too many other details. The long and short of it is that Montreal ended up prevailing, winning 4-1 to thanks to a nice empty net goal. Um, I will say that Vegas in the third period I thought was the better team. You would expect this, though. Montreal had dominated the first 40 minutes. They had a 3-0 lead, and you would sort of expect at some point Vegas would start pushing. And the Knights actually had a couple of really great scoring chances. I felt like they were generally having the run of play in the third period. But when you are chasing the game like they were, it's a little bit difficult to start finding those actual goal-scoring chances. And even when they finally did create good chances, Carey Price was up to the task, basically stopping everything that came his way. So it was tough for the Knights. I wasn't, you know, as worried about the uh, the Habs blowing this lead. I felt like they were more or less in control. Carey Price was doing the rest. And despite a few scrambly moments for the Habs defense, for the most part, they weren't really in all that much danger. Montreal was itself still a counter threat to score and maybe put this game away anyway, so it's not like the Knights could relax either. It was a very wide open affair. I was impressed by the way that Montreal ended up defending their lead. Couple of desperation clearances and stuff, but now it puts them firmly in the driver's seat of the series, which is a big deal heading into game number six. They'll be at home. They have a chance to really put the nail in the coffin for Vegas. This is a big deal, and I think it says a lot about how Montreal has responded after it's been a pretty crazy postseason run. The Knights just kind of seemed a little bit gassed. I feel like they put a lot of energy into taking down Minnesota and Colorado. Meanwhile, Montreal had a much easier schedule, just getting through Toronto and Winnipeg. The way that the North Division structure actually worked this year might have been a huge benefit for the Habs, who were able to get through their series in relatively short order. The first series, not so much. They had to actually go a decent amount to beat Toronto, but greasing the Jets in four games, um, that was a much bigger deal, especially for the rest right before Vegas. 
the Knights actually had to play quite a few more games between uh, Colorado and, and Minnesota. And both of those teams are comparable to what Toronto offered, more so than the Jets, certainly. So it's not like Vegas had a very easy road. In fact, they probably taxed themselves a lot just to get through these last two series. And it's entirely possible fatigue is starting to catch up to these teams. I especially noticed it with Vegas last night. They just did not seem to have their skating legs. They were struggling to create. There was more frustration evident in their body language. The Knights don't often look frustrated like this, so I do think it could be a sign that maybe the fatigue is setting in and maybe Montreal has a real chance to put the series away tomorrow night. As good as the Habs are are as a story, it does kind of make me worry that the Jets are going to think that this is losing to the Stanley Cup finalist in round number two, and I don't think that that's the narrative I would take away from it. I've said before that Winnipeg oftentimes seems a little bit too complacent when they're playing okay hockey or or just bad hockey a, a lot of times. That's that's more often the case with this team, and you know Connor Hellebuck kind of covers a lot of it. But if their takeaway is that, well, we lost to the Stanley Cup finalist, it's not as big of a deal, there's no shame in that, I don't really agree. I think the Jets should have been able to beat Montreal, I felt like at the very least, be competitive. If you lost in a close series seven games, whatever, maybe even six games, but The Jets got laughed out of the series, and that for me is my prevailing takeaway. Winnipeg got smacked by a team that was technically inferior in terms of talent, but the reality is the coaching was better, uh, Montreal's approach was better, and I feel like Winnipeg, I don't know, it it was just an undisciplined affair. Shifley screwed the pooch early, and the team was basically toast from there, because they already had injuries to contend with, and then Shifley getting himself suspended just made things a lot worse. All that said, you all probably did see um, Mark Chipman actually sent out a letter to season ticket holders and really the fan base in general, thanking them for all their support and whatever, but I think that that sort of letter to me is very unusual from this team, and it suggests that there's a pretty decent amount of heat on Winnipeg right now. The amount of pressure that they must be feeling for continually making the postseason and not doing anything, or just flat out missing the playoffs in embarrassing fashion, I think says a lot about the fact that the Jets haven't really done much since 2017-18. In this, in this franchise's history, accomplishments and titles and things haven't really come frequently enough. You know, I don't expect this team to suddenly win a cup or something, but they need to be at least a lot more competitive than they have been. And anyone who thinks this team has been decent or competitive over the last several seasons, even when they're making the playoffs, frankly, they're pulling the wool over their own eyes. This team does not play well, it does not perform up to standard, and we know that this team can be much, much better. We've seen the Jets at their best. It's obviously going to be very difficult for them to equal that 17-18 team. It would be difficult for almost any team in NHL history to stack up to a team that was simply on that level. You know, Winnipeg was far and away the best team in the NHL that year. They were an absolute monster. They were incredibly deep, my cup picks, and it was crazy that they didn't end up winning, but that's the NHL for you. They've fallen a long way off that, and I think that this offseason needs to demonstrate that they understand that, and there needs to be a lot of change and certainly a lot of self-reflection. If Winnipeg is more honest about where the direction of the team is going and starts to work to change things, I think people would be a lot more understanding. But until that day comes, Winnipeg's kind of in the mud right now, so they can't look at a second-round exit to the Montreal Canadiens as anything less than an embarrassment. They need to treat it like it was a disaster because it was. It was a really ugly series. Winnipeg got laughed out. They need to treat it like it was a serious sign of significant changes needed. I'd be curious to know what you would think on what changes you would make, so be sure to let me know at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets, and I may address it on a future episode.
we're going to tail off from the dour talk from the Jets and, of course, um, Winnipeg's ruining missed chances over not advancing past the second round and move on to the Euro 2020 competition, which for some folks is going to be a very bittersweet time and for others, a massive joyous celebration. Before then, though, I wanted to tell you a little bit about tonight's title sponsors at Spotify Greenroom. Greenroom is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, insiders, journalists, and everyone in between in real time about your favorite team or sport. Greenroom is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Greenroom for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, trade rumors, major news events, and all the NHL hot takes you can handle. You'll even find locked-on hosts from across our network like the NBA, MLB, and NHL podcast networks. I'll be joining the app shortly, so be sure to get started, and I'll meet you there. Go download the free Spotify Greenroom app right now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NHL group for the latest league updates. I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and leagues. I can't wait to join you all on the app, and I'll be sure to let you know once the Locked On Winnipeg Jets room is live. Download the Greenroom app today. Spotify Greenroom, changing the way we talk sports. Join the conversation right now. For those of you who are longtime listeners of this podcast, by now you know that I'm personally a huge fan of Bilt Bars. They're the best tasting protein bars on the market, but if you have no idea what I'm talking about or why they taste so good, the first thing you should know is that they're more like a candy bar with a 100% chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. They come in nine delicious flavors like coconut, coconut almond, raspberry, mint brownie, and more. But be sure to stay tuned to Bilt Bar's social media channels and their official website at BiltBar.com because Bilt often drops very special, limited edition, limited quantity, super awesome flavors that you can only get for a very brief time. And once they're gone, they're gone for good. I've had a chance to try a few of these flavors like Churro Puff and man, you really don't want to miss them. They're amazingly delicious. And even better yet, they're amazing for you. With most bars clocking in at around 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of net carbs, and 17 to 18 grams of protein. They're perfect for every lifestyle and workout routine, whether you want to maintain weight or lose weight as well. To place your order, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We have talked about, uh, of course, Vegas versus Montreal, wrapping up our thoughts from last night. And now we move on to another major tournament, which we've been talking about over the past several episodes, and that is the 2020 Euros. They've been an absolute blast and certainly a teaser of things to come for Olympic football in just a few months. Today was a major day for teams advancing in dramatic fashion. We had Sweden barely fending off Poland 3-2 to advance to the next round. And Sweden is one of those teams that I think a lot of folks are kind of like, a little bit lukewarm on. Quite honestly, Sweden for me has just been very unexciting. I feel like their ball has been very pragmatic and it's it's very to the point, which I get it. Sweden is maybe one of those smaller nations, um, but you look at their roster and there's a lot of interesting skilled talent and I feel like the team itself hasn't been putting that talent at the forefront. I've talked about it before, but certainly this team seems to favor grindier possession-based football and again, I get it. They want to be defensively sound and advance. Sometimes these early group stage matches are just about making it through the uh, the war of attrition essentially and advancing no matter what it takes, but by the same token you'd probably want something that's a little bit more exciting than one nothing football every single match. 3-2 to two, though, that one was a little bit more chaotic. Poland staged a valiant second half comeback thanks to Robert Lewandowski, but unfortunately for Poland, you know, Sweden ended up having the right answers at the right time, especially on forced turnovers and when Poland was maybe committing a bit too much upfield. They kind of had to do it, though. 
Poland, if they had won, would have advanced, so they basically had to throw everything forward and hope for the best. Unfortunately, Sweden just had a little bit more energy and ended up catching them on a counter, and the rest is history. The second match of the day was a bit more one-sided. Spain ended up um, walloping Slovakia 5-0. Not super shocking. I think uh, Slovakia just sort of collapsed under Spain's pressure. Spain can be a little bit on the uh, on the drier side as well. They certainly like to favor a lot of defensive possession, and... Yeah, I think this tournament for them hasn't exactly been ideal. Scoring has been really hard for this team. Not having a high-end bevy of strikers has been a bit of an issue, especially, um, you know, Avaro Marata. He just seems to lack confidence in front of goal, so today's effort was much better. They got a couple of own goals and some contributions from around their roster. Uh, a nice balanced game, I think. Spain probably wasn't sweating too much. They advanced cleanly through to the next round. Not super shocking. Slovakia is out. Not much of a shocker there. Um, where things got really interesting, though, was Portugal, France, and then Germany, Hungary. So Portugal, France, this one was a 2-2 draw. And for Portugal, I think they just barely make it through thanks to goal differential on the uh, the extra teams that are currently in the third spots in their group. For the round of 16, I believe only four of these teams actually get saved. So it was a very close shave for Portugal. I think they just barely made it, but obviously things were intense. This was a wide-open match. Both teams had some, some, you know, marvelous chances, some marvelous saves for Rui Patrizio of um, of the, the Portuguese squad. There was a really controversial penalty awarded to France. Had it not been awarded, Portugal might have been able to win 2-1 and potentially knock the French out if Germany had also won. Instead, the Germans ended up also drawing level 2-2 with Hungary, and this was a very spirited performance from the Hungarians. They actually nearly pulled this one off. They were in the lead for most of the match, but unfortunately for them, Germany just seemingly found the answer at the last possible second. The Yogi Love era of Germany right now is just, uh, it's a bit of a mess, and I, I feel like the German fans are like, for them it's a win-win if Germany loses or wins, because either Love is out and basically done with the team on their next loss, or the Germans advance to stay alive and hope for at least a little bit more of a competitive matchup as they descend deeper into the round of 16. To me, Germany just looks very uninspired, and I haven't really felt like they've been much of a threat, so I, I don't anticipate them going all that much deeper in this tournament. I feel like the next team that they face is probably going to be the one that knocks them out. England is their scheduled opponent on Tuesday at Wembley Stadium, so given how defensive and, and conservative England tends to play, I think Germany is going to have a very difficult time. I would not be shocked to see Germany exit there because I don't think they have much left in the tank to actually advance uh, like to the round of eight. German fans are probably just happy that this is the last year of Löw. For as much as he gave them for the World Cup, the past several years have been a, a huge stagnation and a really rough performance from this team. We'll see what they're made of on Tuesday against a very cagey tough opponent under Southgate, but all I would suggest is not to expect too much. It was a tough result for Hungary, but I think they showed why Germany continues to be very vulnerable, and certainly they've given more than people expected, showing that Hungary can still produce really great footballers and a really strong team spirit. I'm sure they'll be looking forward to the next Euros and the next international tournaments where they can make a name for themselves. For now, though, that is going to wrap up our coverage of the Euro 2020s. The next matches are going to be scheduled, I believe, for this weekend, starting on Saturday, so we won't be talking about it for the next couple of days, which means we can focus more on, like, the Kraken and some other really fun topics. Up next, we're going to have some early insights into Tampa Bay versus the New York Islanders. Before then, though, I wanted to let you know about why BetOnline.ag should be the only place to do your online betting. When it comes to online betting, you need to know that there's a safe, reliable name that you can trust every single time. That's why you should look no further than BetOnline. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. 
Baseball and hockey season are in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, UFC, MMA, international soccer, and every sport in between. No matter what you're into, Bet Online has your back. They even have non-sport categories as well. Before the next pitch or face-off, head on over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up for bonuses, and enter all the contests your heart desires. Stop sitting on the sidelines and get in on the action today as all of your favorite teams begin their playoff quests for glory. Win as your favorite teams win. Sign up for a free account at BetOnline.ag on your laptop or mobile device, and when you do, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON at registration to receive a matched 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that is promo code LOCKEDON at registration to receive a 50% welcome bonus when you make your very first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked the Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing out tonight's episode with some thoughts on <laughs> a really crazy game between the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning and the New York Islanders. In what was essentially a game seven for both teams, you know, New York needed to stave off elimination and Tampa Bay wanted to close out this series. This was an extremely tight, taut, cagey affair. Right out of the gates, you could tell that both teams were essentially just feeling each other out and not really looking to push the envelope too much. Both teams predictably were nervous, which isn't shocking. I mean, you know, Tampa Bay wants to advance to the Cup Finals in as few games as possible. New York wants to push this one to the full seven and maybe steal its way to the Cup Final. Although, in this game, you know, you watch the Islanders and you realize they're actually pretty darn good, and they've been good throughout most of the series. It's just... Against Tampa Bay, you kind of have to be a little bit better than just decent, or even playing Tampa Bay evenly because of Vasilevsky and just how talented, you know, Tampa Bay's goal scorers are. Things probably felt like the walls were caving in a little bit, though, for uh, the Islanders, especially once Braden Point, towards the end of the first period, scored first off of a chaotic sequence. Neither team had generated many shots on goal, but it was the opening goal of the game, and unfortunately for the Islanders, they found themselves a victim of some really scrambly play and a tough break, but then things kind of got worse in the second period when Tampa Bay continued to be very cagey, very difficult to break down, and then some like busted line change or something caught the Islanders napping, and Anthony Sorelli was played by a brilliant through pass from, I believe it was, Andre Palat straight to the net. Nick Letty was behind Sorelli and never really made a play to try and stop Anthony from going in. Sorelli walks in, scores, and makes it 2 nothing. and at this point, the Islanders probably felt like that was the series. In about two minutes or so, though, Jordan Eberle responded with a huge goal, a potentially massive effort to try and keep this game alive, and really the series alive, cuts the deficit back down to 2-1 in what has been a very even affair, but certainly the scoreline just edging uh, Tampa Bay over New York. So, entering the third period, I was curious to know what would happen, and wow, the New York Islanders really started to take over. They were pushing full force to chase the game, and suddenly Tampa Bay looked very rattled. This is a rare occurrence for them, and of course they'd lost uh, Nikita Kucherov earlier in this game from a cross-check to his kidney. I've seen a lot of people, you know, arguing about the the penalties and the non-calls and stuff, and this one certainly should have been a penalty, but it's also kind of funny that people are, like, coming to Kucherov's rescue when he's often the guy who's, like, breaking people's wrists with really dirty slashes and stuff. You have to feel like it's, you know, one of those weird karma things where it sort of boomerangs around eventually against you. Obviously, that still should have been a penalty, but we've seen plenty of cross-checks not get called, so I'm not shocked that this one wasn't either. We'll see if Dops has anything to say about it. I doubt it, because they never really do. But, you know, the third frame, all that said, New York was still dominating, and I don't think it would have made a difference if Kucherov was there. The Islanders were really buzzing, they were they were skating around really well, uh, lots of overlapping routes, really good passing and distribution, great perimeter play, 
lots of uh, slot chances and shots, and the D were activating aggressively, and finally one of them dropped below the face-off circles and scored a beautiful snipe over Vasilevsky's shoulder. I felt like Vasilevsky dropped a little bit low and left maybe just a hair of enough for somebody to snipe this one, but of all people, Scott Mayfield, probably not expecting him to be the goal scorer. He ties it though and forces overtime, which we haven't actually gone through that period yet. I'll have the ending of this game on tomorrow night's episode. I won't spoil it quite yet, but overall just really impressed with the Islanders' resilience. They've continued to be a thorn in every team's side that they've played. Tampa Bay just cannot get away from this squad, and it seems like they are destined to tangle in the postseason. More recently in uh, in the, the past couple of seasons than anything, but certainly this could be a growing rivalry. These teams really do not like each other. We've seen lots of physical stuff, lots of between-the-whistles, cross-checks, scrums, everything in between. If this game goes to the Islanders and we get a Game 7, this could be a fully classic series. I'm, I'm honestly excited about that prospect. I think this has been a great series, a lot closer than Montreal versus Vegas, and I am eager to see where it goes next. We'll find out in just a little bit if one of these teams can win it in overtime. Hopefully it's the Islanders so that we get more of this magical series, but you never know, maybe Tampa Bay finally finishes it off. For tonight's episode, though, that will do it. Before you log off, don't forget to check out our wonderful other podcast, Locked On Today. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest stories in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Be sure to follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.